These are uncertain times, but Munson Savings Bank continues to grow and evolve. Most recently, by opening a new loan and operations center in Wilbraham and a new branch in East Longmeadow, scheduled to open later this summer. At Munson Savings Bank, we believe in going above and beyond to create solutions for people, businesses, and our community. Hello. And welcome to Business Talk, presented by Business West and Living Local, and brought to you by Munson Savings Bank. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and here is your host for this episode of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Good morning and welcome everyone to another episode of Business Talk, the podcast presented by Business West Magazine in partnership with Living Local. I'm George O'Brien. I'm the editor of Business West Magazine. Uh, We have an intriguing show for you today. We have Donna Heigigat. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the Women's Fund of Western Massachusetts, one of my favorite organizations in Western Mass. We're going to talk today about the Women's Fund, what they do, and some exciting new programs they have coming up. Donna, how are you this morning? I'm great. Thanks uh, for having me on. It's a great morning outside, and now it'll be riveting to talk with you today, George. Well, thank you for saying so. So let's start by uh, telling our listeners uh, a lot about the the Women's Fund. Uh, This is probably an organization that they've heard about but probably don't know too much about. Uh, Like I said, it's one of my favorite organizations. As a matter of fact, it was one of the winners of Business West Difference Makers Award back, oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> uh, by four or five years ago now for all the great work that you do out there. So give sure, us a quick, sure. quick summation of the programs that you run. Wonderful. Will do. And we are almost 24 years old, the Women's Fund of Western Massachusetts. Interestingly enough, we were started by three Western Mass women, Diane Fuller Doherty, Sally Livingston, who uh, unfortunately passed away a year and a half ago, and Martha Richards. And they had gone to the United Nations Conference in Beijing, China, back 25 years ago now. And they were so inspired by what they saw and learned there that they wanted to come back and make change for women and girls in Western Massachusetts. They thought that men pay attention to money, so they would raise money and put it to uh, use to change the lives, improve the lives of women and girls across all four counties of Western Massachusetts. You mentioned the programs as a women's foundation We have been trying to uh, really focus on fundraising, just like our uh, original founders have, and uh, maybe a little bit less on programming in the last few years. Uh, So instead of ourselves doing programs such as the Leadership Institute for Political and Public Impact, which some of your audience may have heard of, uh, and our Young Women's... yeah, and our Young young Women's Initiative, which focuses on girls and young women in Springfield, uh, particularly girls and young women of color. We were running those programs ourselves, and we made a strategic decision a couple of years ago to invite community partners who do direct service work to run the programs in partnership with us so that we could focus more on fundraising and research. And so our partners, last year our partner for the Lippy program Uh, was UMass, uh, and it also allowed the women in the program to receive credits. And for the program with the Young Women's Initiative, our partner is 18 Degrees, which some of your audience may remember used to be called Berkshire Children and Families. Interesting. So like you were talking about, a, a lot of different programs, a lot of it involves networking and bringing people together. That's pretty difficult to do during a pandemic. So 
I'm sure your mission hasn't changed, but maybe how you've carried it out has. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, definitely. Like uh, like this podcast and pretty much all events in Western Mass, we have done, we pivoted to virtual. So the two programs I mentioned, the Lippy program, the Young Women's Initiative, uh, by late March, they were, uh, had already successfully pivoted to Zoom like everyone else. And so the, um, the remainder of the curriculum was all taught virtually. Our board meetings uh, went uh, immediately to Zoom as well. And now we're being creative about even uh, our other virtual programs. So for instance, I mentioned the, that it's 25 years since our founders went to Beijing, China. Uh, we, took, we decided to celebrate the marking of this 25th anniversary and use it as a way to think about how to sort of look at progress and challenges from the 25th, you know, from 25 years ago when they visited Beijing. And we are planning a virtual event, uh, and that's September 11th, and we're bringing two global experts uh, along with Kathleen Zhegda from the Public Health Institute of Western Massachusetts. Uh, to look at both globally how women and girls have fared uh, in the 25 years since Beijing, uh, but also locally for Kathleen to speak about uh, the research that we commissioned the Public Health Institute to do last year, which is really a status report on women and girls in Western Massachusetts. And, and I'm hoping also that our three speakers will also speak about how COVID is changing that landscape as well. Interesting. Uh, this is Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local and sponsored today by Munson Savings Bank. We're talking with Donna Heigigat. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the Women's Fund of Western Massachusetts. I know you wanted to talk about a new initiative you have. Uh, you've got called the Power Women's Hour, Hour Series. We'll get to that in a minute. Talk just a little bit about Lippy. I, I love this program. This is a uh, designed to get women involved in politics and public service uh, um, talk, talk to us about how many people have been through this program and how it has helped uh, get more women involved. Sure. So I think over the 10 years that we have been running Lippy, we've had uh, close to 300 women go through the program. And uh, it's the, the acronym Lippy really stands for Leadership Institute for Public and Political Impact. And so the, the impetus of the program is really to get more women in elected leadership, but also um, through, a, through the evolution of the program, we realized that we needed to get women in other facets of leadership as well. And in fact, our new strategic direction is expanding upon that to say we want parity in all positions of power. Uh, so you mentioned Lippy's success stories, a few that I can share with you. Northampton Police Chief Jody Casper is a Lippy alumna. Uh, the Pittsfield Mayor Linda Tyre is also a uh, alumna of the Lippy program. And we have uh, Denise Hurst, who is running for elected office currently. She's a Lippy alumna as well. And uh, the nice thing about that is women, you know, learn more about their own leadership and um, willingness to step out, but they also then have a sort of sisterhood that's born from the, the cohort that they are in as well. Interesting. Okay, so now talk about the Women's Power Hour series. This sounds intriguing. This is about uh, women of color and COVID and the businesses yeah. that they own and the way that they've been impacted. Talk about yeah. a little bit. Sure, George. So you mentioned, uh, you know, how are we pivoting to doing things during this time of COVID? And we realized that uh, we wanted to raise awareness about women 
entrepreneurs. Uh, one of the things that our research report that came out last year highlighted was that women-owned businesses uh, were not very, you know, there wasn't a great percentage of women who owned businesses. In fact, I think it's uh, Hampshire County had the highest percentage of women-owned businesses, and that was still less than 35%. Now, of those, we know predominantly they are white women business-owned. Uh, so we decided between what was happening with the pandemic and wanting to do something virtually and uh, seeing that um, some of the government assistance programs like the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, were not uh, being uh, seen as going to uh, black women entrepreneurs and or other women of color entrepreneurs. And we noticed that that was because of a lack of banking relationships. So we knew that there were barriers that women of color entrepreneurs face to begin with and COVID just made it harder. So we chose uh, to create something in a virtual format. Power Women Hour was the uh, sort of name that we came up with for the series because not only are the women who are going to be featured on this powerful, but we think that also a lot of our viewers will be empowered to want to support this, these kinds of businesses, these particular businesses for sure, but also just generally have their eyes opened about how they can support uh, women entrepreneurs generally, but particularly those who face the most barriers to launching and sustaining businesses. So how exactly is it going to work? So it's going to be a video each month that, and on each month will feature one woman entrepreneur and uh, we'll have them, they'll be recorded um, because that way with uh, COVID, we don't have to worry about endangering anyone and uh, sort of how we're doing this today. You and I, we're not together, but we're speaking together, right? Uh, so the video will allow us to safely have a series of questions that our entrepreneurs will respond to. If they have, if they're in a, a line of business that lends itself to sort of teaching, uh, whether it's, um, uh, for instance, Sonia Helder is one of the women that we're going to feature, and she happens to be in the line of work of uh, food service and catering. You know, so if she wants to show uh, our audience how to make a certain something, that would be fun and we think also fun for our viewers. So uh, to the extent that we can use this format to actually showcase or teach or share a skill uh, that's from their business, that will be exciting as well. And then we will use our social media platform and our e-newsletters to promote these businesses as, as well. And finally, George, we thought it's really important because we know these women face so many barriers um, that we wanted to also pay them for their time. So part of the model of this series is that we pay the women entrepreneurs for their time in uh, speaking with us. Go back to what you were saying about uh, PPP. Uh, this has been a program that, that's drawn a lot of praise from a lot of people, including me. Mm -hmm. uh, just observed it, you know, from the 30,000 foot level. Uh, mm. This program has certainly helped a, a lot of businesses through this pandemic, or at least through the first three or four months of it. But uh, what seems to be emerging is that there have been holes in the program and that there are people who have been left out. Yeah. Uh, and, and you mentioned banking relationships, uh, women of color, businesses of color in general. Uh, talk some more about, about how these people got left behind. Well, I think it's, um, you know, we've heard about this in the news anecdotally, but we actually even had this experience with the Women's Fund, like a lot of other nonprofits, 
uh, we did try immediately to apply for the PPP with our existing bank and, uh, you know, went through all the process and different things. And as you may recall, with the first uh, series of the PPP, uh, a lot of banks, if they had a certain vendor that they were working with, I think Cabbage was one of them, and that was uh, our banking. Our bank was using that vendor. Uh, there were uh, like kinks in the system, and so even though we followed all the uh, you know procedures and so forth, we got locked out, and we did not get uh, PPP funding in that first round. So you can imagine that uh, a small uh, woman of color entrepreneur, even if she did have a banking relationship, which again, that's how the PPP program was set up so that it was done through banks. So by default, you already had to have a banking relationship in order to access that funding. Uh, but even then there were barriers. Uh, so we were just diligent and we're able to do it in that second round of funding. So it's just, um, you know, that's just an example of how we experience it. And so we can just imagine somebody who's the chief cook and bottle washer trying to do everything for a small emerging business to have to navigate that is, is really tough. Hmm. This is Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local and sponsored today by Munson Savings Bank. We're talking to Donna Heigigate. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the Women's Fund of Western Massachusetts. We're talking about the Women's Fund, their various programs, and a new initiative they have called the Power Women's Hour Series. Talking about uh, women-owned businesses, specifically uh, minority, uh, black-owned businesses, and COVID-19. And we're talking about how some of these businesses uh, failed to qualify for PPP. We're hearing a lot about how the pandemic is impacting women more than men in general. Uh, a lot of the burden uh, of what's going on at home is falling on women. Uh, their businesses are not qualifying for PPP as much. Uh, is the Women's Fund addressing some of these issues in some ways, or is this something you're looking to address in the future with programming? Yeah, George, thanks. That's a great question. So we had just emerged with our new strategic plan during the um, start of the COVID pandemic. And in some ways, it was uh, kind of well-timed that we were just developing our final uh, new strategic plan because we could pivot. And certainly, one, our highest priority was economic security for women and girls. So one of the things that we are doing uh, is to uh, focus on economic security for women and girls. And what we're trying to do is create a hub, a, an economic security hub for women in the Springfield region. And what we're trying to do is uh, to work with Springfield Works, uh, which is a part of the uh, EDC, the Economic Development uh, Corporate uh, Council, and uh, also, you know, organizations that are doing direct service work on the ground, such as Dress for Success and Head Start and uh, Educare, those, those kinds of organizations that are interacting on a uh, consistent basis with women um, and their families, of course, because we do realize one of the things you mentioned, George, was how women are also being impacted at home. And that is because of sort of uh, traditional uh, gendered roles um, and also because of economic disparities in pay, oftentimes it's the person who's making less that says, okay, well, I'll, I'll focus more on the kids. Let's make sure that your job is stable 
Uh, and so what happens is um, the woman then finds herself uh, sometimes juggling her own job responsibilities and trying to make sure that her child is learning online, so to speak, and different things like that. Economically as well, we see women uh, are concentrated in a lot of the sectors that have been displaced because of the pandemic, you know, folks who are in hospitality, restaurants, uh, a lot of the places that had to lay off workers, uh, and then also a lot of the uh, sort of frontline workers in both healthcare and, you know, grocery and delivery and so forth are tend to be women as well. Anything being done to address this inequality, if you will? Is there any movement to, like I said, bridge that gap? Yeah, so I think one of the things that we're doing is trying to make sure that data is being collected so that we have a full picture of how uh, women in particular, women of color are being impacted. And with this economic security hub that we're trying to launch, we're hoping to uh, pull folks together so that uh, we can work together to affect faster change for the women in Springfield's region to get them uh, back to work or redeployed in other fields if, if it's going to be something that's a long-term impact. Also to, you know, frankly, to figure out the, the issue about childcare uh, or as I like to really um, call it, early learning. Uh, and and the, that, that is a real issue that we need to solve in order to make sure that uh, women can work uh, and can sustain their jobs and that children uh, of those women are not experiencing further learning loss uh, because they're not learning at the, you know, at the same level as maybe a mom who does have the time to devote to making sure her child is uh, on target with the school. Is there any data available yet? Uh, are we seeing trends and data on unemployment? Or are women actually uh, finding themselves unemployed at a higher level than men? Yes, um, there's definitely, um, they're calling it uh, the she session. Uh, this time they, they refer to the last recession as the man session. And this time they're referring it as to the she, she session, excuse me. And that is because of the disproportionate number of women who are concentrated in the sectors that were most affected by shutdowns or um, just, you know, lack of demand, like hospitality, let's say in the Berkshires in our region, uh, you know, there's hardly anybody going there on vacation uh, because of the pandemic, but also because a lot of the cultural institutions have, you know, not had any of their season. And so there's less of a demand for, uh, you know, hotel workers and restaurant workers, and those are predominantly women. Uh, so that's why they're calling this a she session. The she session. That is unfortunate. Go back to the uh, Power Women's Hour series. We obviously have a lot of goals for that particular yeah. program. What do we want mm -hmm. to accomplish with this? I think uh, two, the, we would like to accomplish two things. One certainly is to spotlight these individual entrepreneurs and uh, let folks know that there are these women who are uh, against the odds really launching these businesses and trying to keep them afloat. Uh, so that our audience can support them, uh, but also really trying to, uh, I kind of call this period of uh, racial awakening, uh, so to speak, uh, to really sort of nurture people's desire to help and be more, you know, uh, quote unquote, woke, uh, 
to give them places that they can support uh, women entrepreneurs and also to, you know, sort of uh, change the lens with which they look for uh, businesses that they might support so that they may be uh, inspired to look for a local Western mass business that might particularly be led by a woman of color and understanding that um, they need even more help to um, get off the ground and, and stay there. And, you know, George, you and I spoke yesterday about how uh, a lot of the organizations Business West has featured have tend to be bigger businesses. And so often they're not necessarily run by people of color, particularly women of color. And that is because it's really hard for them to go from being a small business to being that medium sized business. And so our hope is that folks will understand that and try to support and promote that. Okay. Very lofty goals indeed. Good luck with that program and good luck with all your other initiatives. Uh, this is a year like any other. Uh, people are just trying to get through it. I know you're doing a lot more than just getting it through it. Uh, new initiatives, uh, new programs. Uh, good luck with all that. So thanks for listening. Remember to join us next time for another episode of Business Talk presented in partnership with Living Local, sponsored today by Munson Savings Bank. I'm George O'Brien, editor of Business West, and we'll see you next time.